This is the West Concord Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you receive a blessing from today's message. And hello, everyone. Welcome to worship once again with West Concord Baptist Church Online. And chances are you are watching this on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We do love you. We appreciate you. Uh, Maybe your mother's gone home to be with the Lord. You can still fondly and lovingly remember her today uh, as we celebrate Mother's Day. On this Mother's Day, we're actually going to finish up our series on Inside Out Discipleship as God Intended. We're going to look at one last thing as we wind this up, and we're sort of going to carry on the theme as to what Aaron started when he preached from Habakkuk, when he said that the the whole purpose of discipleship is to spread the glory of God throughout the world. And that is correct, to take the message of Jesus Christ, to go into the world and preach the gospel. So this morning, we're going to talk about spreading the gospel, spreading the gospel, because that's that's kind of the whole point behind discipleship. Yes, we want to draw close to the Lord. We want to grow in Him. We want to walk with Him, have fellowship with Him, and glorify Him in our lives. But the reason we glorify Him, well, two reasons. Number one, He deserves it. But secondly, so that we might draw people to Christ and bring them to a knowledge of Jesus as their Savior. So we're going to talk about spreading the gospel, and we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to focus on just two verses, verses 1 and 2, because these two verses are just packed. They talk about what it means to disciple, what it means to evangelize, and how these two things go together, how discipleship also is involved and necessary for the proper and effective spreading of the gospel. I'd like to draw your attention as we begin to a quote from the book, The Trellis and the Vine, that we've been referring to off and on. And and again, we have copies of it here at West Concord. If you'd like to purchase a copy, we don't make any money. It just goes to pay for the book. Or you can order it online at Amazon or whatever, The Trellis and the Vine. And... uh, They said this about discipleship and about communicating the gospel as they commented on the very passage we're going to look at. They said the gospel will only be guarded and spread as it is passed from one faithful hand to the next. As each generation of faithful preachers, and let me stop there, preacher is not just what I do. It's anybody who communicates Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you have to stand up on a soapbox and holler and preach and point and fuss. No, no. It's simply communicating Christ, whether you do that at the top of your lungs or whether you do that in a whisper. So he says it needs to go from one faithful hand to the next as each generation of faithful preachers pass their sacred trust on to the next generation who in turn teach and train others. This is the whole idea behind discipleship. This is the whole idea is to multiply and to keep the message growing and going. Let me share with you another quote by a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Hayashi. He is a author of a book on radical discipleship, talking about how we really need to get serious about discipling. And he says this, he says, your success as a disciple of Christ is not something you do. On the contrary, it is someone you disciple to also become a disciple maker. You know, it's not just something we do, but it's actually an investment in the life of someone else 
so that they in turn go out and disciple somebody as well. So it's necessary to pass the message from one faithful hand to the other to preach the gospel and to multiply the preaching of that message. And it means that we, as, as godly, mature Christians, if that's where we are, we need to reproduce ourselves. Let me share with you one more quote from Kevin DeYoung. Kevin DeYoung has written various books on missions and missionology and discipleship. And he is a pastor of a church here in the United States. And he says, one, the one indispensable requirement for producing godly, mature Christians is godly mature Christians. In other words, if we want the world filled with godly, growing, Christ-honoring, soul-winning Christians, then we need to be a growing, mature, Christ-honoring, soul-winning Christian. We need to reproduce ourselves. And that is how we share the gospel. That is how we take the message out. And so we have been stressing discipleship here at West Concord Baptist Church. And we're going to continue to do that in our practice, but we've been doing it in our preaching. And what is a disciple? What is discipleship? Let me share that with you one more time. Discipleship and being a disciple means that someone is a learner. If you're a disciple, you are a learner. And in the sense of being a disciple for Christ, it literally means giving your life to learning about and becoming more Christ-like and learning about Christ. And not only in ourselves, we talked about that when we began the series. That's why we got Inside Out as the title. It starts on the inside with us as we grow closer to Christ and more like Christ. But then it moves out as we begin to walk with Him and influence others. So as we get started this morning, we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to see Paul as he's writing this letter to this very young, very new pastor. Quite frankly, all the pastors that are addressed in the New Testament are new because the church is new. And so all of this is new. It's cutting edge and it should be still as new to us and as cutting edge to us today as it was 2,000 years ago. So we're going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to dive right in and talk about discipling and discipleship. So bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for Mother's Day. Father, we thank you for the godly mothers out there, Lord, who, who have shared the gospel with their children and even the godly grandmothers who share it with their grandchildren. These ladies who are in, in the fact that they are mothers, they are wonderful examples of discipleship. And Father, passing along values, passing along truths. Even Timothy, whom Paul is writing as we look at this book this morning, learned of the gospel, learned how to walk with God from his grandmother and his mother. And so, Father, we thank you for godly mothers today. And Father, help us to follow those examples and to be disciples of Jesus and disciple others so the gospel might go out. Bless us as we open your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're talking about discipling. That's what we've been talking about. And as you followed us, we've looked at the vineyard in John chapter 15, the various relationship, our relationship with God our relationship with each other, and our relationship with the world. We've understood that this begins from the inside and works its way out, just with us individually, but also in the church. We have to disciple within the church if we want the church to grow, if we want people to come to know Christ. We need to start reproducing disciples. 
Yes, getting people saved, but not just leaving them on the doorstep of heaven. We need to carry them across the threshold as we grow in Jesus Christ. And, and it, involves a, it involves a tremendous amount of commitment or surrender of our lives. Again, a disciple is a, one, is a person who is a learner and one who has given his or her life to that task. So it involves a tremendous amount of, uh, of effort and energy and time. And it is uncomfortable sometimes, and it is inconvenient. So where do we get the strength for discipling? Well, Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor, and Paul is writing to encourage him as he is pastoring. And he's, he's various times throughout these, these letters he writes, first and second Timothy, he is showing him how he is to carry on that job. Because again, Timothy didn't have any other pastors to follow. I'm the 21st pastor here at West Concord Baptist Church. There were 20 other guys before me in the last 115 years. Timothy was the very first pastor of the church he was pastoring. And so he was not only learning, but he was also setting precedent. So Paul had to write him, instruct him, and encourage him. So as we open up 2 Timothy in chapter 2, Paul is going to talk to him first about strength for discipling. Because it is an arduous task. It is a, it is a surrender. It is a commitment. It is a lifelong thing. And yes, we need that spiritual strength. And so what do we do? Well, look what Paul says as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 1. He says, You therefore, my son, and Timothy was not his uh, earthly son or physical son. He was his spiritual son. Paul had led him to Christ also through the ministry of, uh, of Timothy's grandmother and mother. He says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so he's telling him, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, what is the grace of Christ Jesus? Well, that's the idea and the concept as the Bible presents it of having God's love given to us because we don't merit it. It's given. We can't earn it. It's given. Isn't it amazing that in spite of the fact that we're sinners, in spite of the fact that we're imperfect, broken, struggling, God loves us anyway. And I tell you, if that doesn't already strengthen you, man, alive, it's so wonderful to know that in spite of difficulty and struggle and failure and imperfection, God loves me anyway. God loves you anyway. And I don't know, when I know somebody loves me and somebody cares about me that much, that's going to encourage me and motivate me to walk with them, to serve them and to give them honor and to please them. So first of all, he's going to talk about that grace of Jesus Christ. And he tells Timothy to be strong in that. Well, how do we do that? Well, one way we do that is by remembering the gift of life. The Bible says we're saved by the grace of God. There's nothing we could do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we can give to God so that we might receive it. Salvation is a gift that we're given. And he's given us the literal gift of life, not just life, but life eternal. What a wonderful gift. You know, when somebody gives you something, you want to do something again for them. Not again, not to earn it, but because you're grateful for it. And so the gift of life should motivate us to give God something back. And it should be our lives completely because after all, Jesus gave his life. If you remember, we saw in John 15, greater love hath no one than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, this is how you should love one another as I have loved you. And so how do we love him? How do we serve him? How do we honor him? By following him, by being a disciple and discipling and remembering the grace of Jesus Christ and the life 
that He's given us, the eternal life. Not only that, but we remember the goal of life. Why are we here to begin with? Well, as Aaron said in Habakkuk chapter 2, the whole goal is to fill the earth with the glory of God, to give Him glory, to give Him honor, so that people might see Him, seek Him, and find Him. So as a believer, our goal in life is to take that wonderful, gracious gift of life that we have been freely given and go and spread that, that news to everybody who will hear it. And so we need strength for discipling. We need that motivation. We need that, that strength that helps us keep going because it's tough. And so the grace of Jesus Christ, when we reflect upon that, when we think about how much we're loved and how much we don't deserve it, but he loves us anyway. We remember the gift of life he gives us through grace, that eternal life with him. And we remember the goal of life and that goal is to honor Him, please Him, and be the agent in this world at this time, during this period we call the church age, to take the gospel out. So strengthful discipling involves the grace of Jesus Christ. But not only that, it involves the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we have good news. That's what the word gospel means. The word gospel literally means good news. We've got good news to tell people. And we're all motivated to tell good news. I mean, haven't you been privy to a secret? Maybe you knew somebody and they came, pulled you aside and said, you know what, uh, we're expecting a baby, but don't tell anybody. Have you ever had anybody do that? What's the first thing you want to do? <laughs> you want to tell somebody. Okay, you want to go out and tell somebody. Or somebody tells you some other kind of good news. Look, I got a new job. I've got a raise. Oh, she's going to marry me. He asked me to marry And all these things. And man, but don't tell anybody. First thing we want to do is go find somebody to tell. Well, we've got the greatest news, the greatest message, and that is the fact that God loves this world in spite of its sin. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and take the blame for all of humanity's sin. He was buried and three days later rose again from the dead. And all who would come to Him by simple faith, who would cast their complete confidence on Jesus as their Savior, God would save them and give them life eternal. What better news is that? What better what better story is that? And we've been tasked and privileged to go and take that news. So the good news, we're excited about it because first the good news is about heaven. You know, and that's wonderful. I can't wait to get to heaven. The longer I live in this broken, fallen world, the longer I live my imperfect life, the more I want to be in heaven with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said to depart and be with Christ is far better, but he says it's needful for him to stay because he had work to do for God. And that's what we, we're still here and we'll go when he calls us. But listen, the gospel is about heaven and a home in heaven provided for us. That's the good news about heaven. But the gospel is also good news about here, here and now. Because not only does God provide us a home in heaven, but he provides a relationship with him. In other words, when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, when they sinned against God, all humanity was plunged into sin. But through Jesus Christ, now we are brought back to Him again. We've been reconciled to Him again through Jesus' death on the cross and through our faith in Him. And so the, the good news of the gospel, yes, it's about heaven, and that's great. 
But it's also about the here and now. I can walk with the Lord. I have a relationship with God. I can know God. I can, I can read his word and understand it and find grace and wisdom and strength in this world. And I can go to God in prayer and know that he hears me. I know that God is with me. His spirit indwells in me through Jesus Christ. And so I have not only heaven waiting for me, but right here and now I have a wonderful relationship with God. And as I surrender and yield to him, I can have fellowship with God. How amazing is that? And that strengthens us in discipleship. Yes, we reflect upon the grace of Jesus Christ, an unearned love, a gift of life, and a wonderful purpose and goal. Not only that, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a good story to tell in a world full of bad news and difficulty and negativity and anger. We have the message of life. We have the message of heaven glory and heaven with God forever, but we also have the message of relationship and fellowship with God right here and now. That should motivate us, that should encourage us, that should strengthen us to get about the task of discipling, finding somebody to bring closer to Christ and at the same time, drawing close to Christ ourselves. We need to be mentors and we need to find a mentor. So that's strength for discipling. So let's talk about the strategy for discipling. Now, let me say this about the Bible. It's not laid out in a very formulaic manner. In other words, you're not very often going to go through Scripture and find 2 plus 2 equals 4. You're not going to find any kind of really laid out formulas very often. But although they're not very often, they are there. And this is one of them. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 2, we see this strategy for discipleship. Now, the whole time as we've done these eight messages on this subject, we have tried to help you understand that discipleship involves people. We've been reading a book, the pastoral staff and the deacon body here at West Concord Baptist Church. We're reading a book together called The Trellis and the Vine. We referred to it earlier. And this book is simply a reminder of the task that the church is to be about people. We get caught up in the buildings. We get caught up in the budgets. We get caught up in the meetings and the, and the mess that occurs sometimes when really we need to be caught up in our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be caught up in those who don't know Christ. You know, I think if we got our eyes back on the prize again, we would find that a lot of problems that go on in church won't be as big or may not even be there at all. So let's look at this strategy for discipleship as we pick it up in verse 2. Notice he says, he talked about in verse 1, strength for discipleship. And then he says in verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You know, when I was growing up, there was a commercial on TV for a shampoo called Breck. And some of you who are a little bit longer in the tooth like I am might remember this. But the whole idea of the commercial was you tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and so on and so on and so on and so on. A way of advertising Breck shampoo. I don't even know if they still sell Breck shampoo or not, but that is how they did that. And I just remember, and what a wonderful strategy that is. You know, a lot of things that you hear about, you hear about by word of mouth. And the whole idea behind that advertising gimmick that they were doing was, again, the spreading of word of mouth and multiplication. 
Well, you know, it's not so, such a bad gimmick because Paul here says, look, this is how you do it. You multiply. I want you to notice a couple of things, actually three things in this passage as we see the strategy for discipleship. Notice, first of all, the gospel is given to you. You know, somebody brought you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe it was your mom or dad, grandparent. Maybe it was someone else in your family. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or maybe you heard it at vacation Bible school. I heard the gospel from a friend in high school. That night I went out to a youth meeting and a youth leader shared the gospel, gave an invitation, and I received Christ as my Savior. But the first aspect of that is somebody brings the gospel to you. Somebody gave the gospel to you. You're a recipient of that. And through that good news, you received Jesus as your Savior. At least I hope you did. So the gospel, the first aspect of that strategy, the first, the first move in that strategy is the gospel is given to you. And aren't you glad? Man alive, aren't you glad you know that you have a home in heaven? Aren't you glad that you know that you can walk with the Lord and have him a part of your life and he knows you, loves you, and wants to be in fellowship with you? Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing that he, that he gives you his spirit to indwell in you and to encourage you and comfort you, to enlighten you and when necessary to convict you? Aren't you glad that you know that you can pray and go to his throne and get help and mercy and grace in the time of need? Man alive, I'm glad somebody gave the gospel to me. Well, that's the first two that we're going to look at. So the gospel is given to you. Notice the second thing. It says this. He says, um, Timothy, here's the thing. He says, the things that you have heard from me, God, or excuse me, Paul gave the gospel to Timothy. The things that you have heard uh, uh, from me. Now notice the next phrase, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Timothy was the pastor, a new pastor, young pastor, and his job was now to communicate this message to someone else. So the gospel first is given to you, but notice the second thing. Now, when you share the gospel, there are two who now believe. So you go from getting the gospel given to you, now you share it with somebody else, and guess what? Now there are two of you that know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that know Christ. You've suddenly doubled your team, if you will. So it starts with you having the gospel given to you, and then it goes to you giving the gospel to someone else, and you become two. You become two. I remember the first guy I shared the gospel with. Uh, I was scared. I was frightened. And uh, man alive, it's amazing. He accepted Christ as a Savior right there on the spot. And he began to come to our youth group and, and learn the scriptures and, and draw closer to Christ. And we began to work with him. And when last I heard about him, uh, his name was Harold. Harold is still actively involved in, in, in worship and actively involved in walking with the Lord. How gratifying is that? I tell you, I'm glad to see that and hear that. And I'm glad to know that now when I, it was just me at first that someone gave the gospel to me, but then I gave the gospel to him and we became two. We became two, so that's great. So it starts with you, and then it moves to two. And then I want you to notice what else Timothy says here, or Paul says to Timothy. He says, you'll give this, you'll commit these things to faithful men. Notice the key word faithful. As you disciple, you want somebody who is going to be drawn to the Lord, and they're hopefully going to be faithful with the gospel. But notice what it says about these faithful men in the last phrase here. It says, who will be able to teach others also? 
So the gospel is given to you. That, that's the first leg. Now, when you share, there are two. That's the second leg. Now look at the third leg. Now, now through your team, the two of you, others hear it too. So you begin to, to, to expand. You begin to multiply. And then they tell two friends, and they tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. You ever wonder how the church was able to grow and thrive so quickly when you read the book of Acts? It is because of that very thing. Yes, Peter preached that first message in Acts, and the church exploded. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But you know what? That began just a series of things. All those people had the gospel given to them. But then as they dispersed and went about their lives walking with the Lord, they began to share it with other people. Then two had it. And then they began to share it with other people. And then it began to multiply and grow. And that's the way God intends the gospel to grow. And that's what discipleship does. Because if a, if a man or woman is a disciple then it just stands to reason they're also going to want to share the gospel of Christ. They're going to want to let other people know. And so this is how it works. It's not rocket science. It's actually rather quite simple. And as a matter of fact, that's why I have emphasized the word to. T-O, T-O-O, to, and then T-O-O, also to. So that way you can remember two, two, two. That's an easy way to remember that strategy. And you can find it in 2 Timothy 2, 2. In other words, 2 Timothy 2, 2. So, I mean, God didn't write down the initial titles of these books or the chapter divisions or the verse divisions. Those were added several centuries later. But it's ironic that that is, is how it laid out. And it's cool. It helps us to remember. So the whole strategy, just think two, two, two. The gospel is given to you. Then when you share it, you become two. And then when your team goes out and shares it, other people will hear it too. And the church grows. The gospel is spread. And God's kingdom gets glorified. And God's glory spreads through the earth. And, so, and, and, and to do this, it just simply is, an, is a time of involvement. You learn the scriptures. You walk with somebody. You know, I thank God to those people who spoke into my life and, and taught me and helped me grow. And uh, I am in the ministry, serving him, preaching and teaching because others invested in my life all the way back when I first got saved to keep me walking with the Lord. And somebody is looking to you to do that. It might be your children. It might be another family member. It might be a fellow student at school, coworker, a neighbor, uh, a friend, anybody. But somebody is depending on that. There are church people in our church that are looking for somebody. Oh, they won't come out and say it, but they would thrive if somebody would pull them alongside, be their friend, enjoy time with them, but also share Christ with them and mentor them. Man alive. And, and you'd be investing your life into somebody. And it's an eternal investment. And there might be somebody who is looking to disciple somebody. And maybe you would like to know more about Scripture. Maybe you would like to improve your walk with Christ, but you just don't know how. And maybe there's somebody in the church who is a believer, a faithful man, a faithful woman that you can look up to. And maybe you can go to them and say, you know, can you help me? You know, all of these things. You know, I still have mentors in my life that I go to and look to. There are still people who, who I'm able to go to and say, look, I'm struggling with this passage. I'm struggling with this principle. Can you help me? I love it that I have people in my life who are honest with me and tell me when I'm not where I should be spiritually. 
And uh, these people are people I look up to. These people are people who have proven themselves uh, to be faithful to the Lord. Remember, Paul said to commit these things to faithful men or faithful women, as it were. And so the strategy for discipleship, again, is, is, is very simple. Look at the passage. You can even see it as you read it. And the things that you have heard from me, I've given to you among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men. Go out and share it with them so you'll be two who will be able to teach others also. Others will hear it too. So two, two, two. Two Timothy chapter two, verse two. Second Timothy chapter two, verse two. We get our strength for discipleship from realizing the grace of Jesus Christ, from proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. The strategy for discipleship, it's not rocket science, it's not difficult. Listen, quite frankly, you don't have to go to a, to a conference or go to seminary to learn how to do this. Oh, those things are helpful as we grow in Christ, but anybody who knows Jesus and loves him can do this. And you just have to remember, go out and share it with somebody, invest in somebody. And then hopefully they'll go out and invest in it. I, I always wonder who I've invested in. Some people I've kept track of, some people I haven't. Have they gone out and brought people to Christ? I can't wait to get to heaven and find out if that really had an impact like I hoped it would. So the strength for discipleship is in the grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. The strategy of discipleship is multiplication and spreading that word. So here's some things to remember as we finish. I had a gentleman tell this when I was very early in the ministry. I was a youth minister in, in Tampa. And I was at a Christian camp. And there are a lot of these pastors and, and, and great men of God at this camp. And I remember uh, we would sit and have lunch together. And I felt like, man, I felt like the kid. And I was the kid. And all these great wizened men of God sitting around the table. And I remember one gentleman by the name of Jim Sheffield, uh, pastor down in South Florida. He told me, Mike, he says, as you go into ministry, remember this. We must remember not to use people to build ministry. You know, that's, that's what we want to do. We want people in our church to be tithers and givers. We want people to volunteer for things and people to help build and keep things clean. We want to build up the trellis of the church instead of focusing on the vine. We get so caught up in all the trinkets and trappings of the church the buildings, the budgets, the boards, the meetings, the furniture, the every, we get all caught up in that. And we almost feel like we had to get people in here so we can pay the bills. We got to get people in here so we can do all the programs we want to do. No, no, that's not what it is at all. He said we must remember not to use people to build ministry. But listen to this, listen to this wisdom. But we must use ministry to build people. We must use ministry to build people. And again, it's the trellis and the vine illustration from the book I'd mentioned. The trellis, you know, when you plant tomatoes and you plant flowers, you may set up a trellis so those vines can grow. And you might really put up a really nice trellis. And there are times when the trellis gets worn, it gets rotted, it gets old, something breaks it, a storm or something. You got to go out and repair it. But your focus is more on the vine. The trellis is there for the vine to grow on, not the other way around. You just don't go out and put up a trellis and hope a vine grows there. But that's how we do church. We throw up a building and hope people come. We throw up a program and hope people will invite their friends. No, 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 no. We need to focus on the people. When you're growing something, you focus on the vine. The trellis is there just to help that vine realize its potential. The trappings of church buildings, budgets, and boards are here so that we might 
help realize the potential of our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So as we finish this message today and this series, I want to remind you of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, part of the great commission that Jesus left his, his disciples and he wanted them to go on and do the same thing. Notice he tells them as he is getting ready to ascend into heaven, he says in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, he says, go therefore and make disciples, learners, go therefore and yes, get them saved, have them come to a saving knowledge of the crucified, buried and risen savior, Jesus Christ. He was standing right before them. He says, but don't just leave them on the doorstep of heaven. Carry them over the threshold in their relationship with God. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism doesn't save us. Water baptism doesn't save us, but is our first step in walking with Christ as a saved person. It is a public declaration of something that has gone on inside. Remember, we said the walking with Christ, the discipleship, the living for the Lord, starts on the inside and works its way out. Thus, the title of this series, Inside Out. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And listen, this isn't just the job of the pastors. It's not just the job of the Sunday school teachers. It's the job of every person who names the name of Jesus. It's the job of everyone who knows. See, these guys weren't even pastors at the time. They were just disciples. They were learners. And uh, some of them went on to pastor. Others went on to go out and be missionaries. But nonetheless, it involves every believer in Jesus Christ. If you are not being discipled and or discipling, there's an issue you need to deal with, and I hope that you will. I hope as we finish this series, you're already thinking about a friend or friends that you might want to spend time with on a regular basis, a consistent basis. Yes, to enjoy some fellowship, maybe to enjoy a meal, maybe to go shopping, maybe to go work on a project together, go play ball game together, something like that. But in the midst of that, not only should you and I be modeling the Christian life for them, but we also should be praying together, looking at the Word of God together, formulating a path of life that glorifies God together. Because as the book of Habakkuk said, the ultimate goal is to glorify God in this world, to take the glory of God and spread it through the world. And everything we've discussed in these last eight or nine sermons, these last eight or nine messages, is all about that. It starts from the inside. It starts with you right here and right now, making that decision that you're going to be that person for somebody, that you're going to invest your life and be that person. When they look back, they think, thank, thank you, Lord, for and fill in your name. I can't think of a better legacy to leave on this world. You can leave hundreds of thousands of dollars. You could leave a big building. You can leave a lot of things. But what a grand legacy to leave that you have somebody living for the Lord, loving Him, serving Him, and sharing the gospel. And when somebody says, how, how did you get involved in this? Well, so and so, and they say your name. They brought me along, and I'm doing this because of them. Listen, I do what I do. I've been pastoring West Concord now for nearly 30 years. I've been on church staff and other places. I, I, I've been able to teach. I've been able to do a lot of things. And I, and I have to give a lot of credit. Of course, I give God all the glory but I have to give a lot of credit for where I'm at and who I am to those people who, even from the very beginning when I got saved in high school, who were involved in my life, invested in my life, 
cared about me, loved me, even when I wasn't very lovely, and kept walking with me and showing me and mentoring me. And I am, and I'm so grateful for them, and I still am. And I hope you can be that person for somebody. And I hope that you'll decide to do it, because only then will you have a truly eternal impact, and only then will you have a valuable and real legacy. To bring somebody to Christ, you bring them to Christ, you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with them, and don't leave them on the doorstep of heaven. You carry them through. You bring them through. Yeah, it's, it's, it involves time. It involves energy. It invo it's in, inconvenient. It's uncomfortable sometimes. But every bit of it's worth it. And I thank God somebody did that for me. Let's pray as we finish. Father, we thank you for the privilege of allowing us to serve you. Father, I thank you for those in my life, all the way back in high school, who, who invested themselves in my life. Lord, they, they brought me out where I heard the gospel. And I got saved in February of 1978. But Father, I thank you that they just didn't put a notch in their evangelistic gun and keep going to someone else, Lord. They, they hung with me. They, they carried me along. They, they invited me into their lives so that they may invest themselves in mine. And Father, I learned to grow in Christ through them through not only their example, but through them sharing scripture, answering my questions. Lord, you know who these people are. I've mentioned names before. I'm not going to today, but Lord, you know them. I pray that you'll give them a special blessing today. Father, I pray that I can and have been that to someone else as well. And I pray for everyone listening and watching that Lord, they will be somebody that someone looks back on fondly and lovingly and says, because of them, I am walking with the Lord. Oh God, help us to be that person but Father, it starts as you move inside of us as we surrender to you and it works its way out. Help us, Lord, to, to let you lead us inside out and help us to do discipleship the way you intended us to do it. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless y'all. Happy Mother's Day. Take mom out and splurge on her. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. For additional sermon resources and to find out who we are, visit us online at westconcordchurch.com. Thanks for listening.